Well, good morning, church. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, for those of you that maybe don't know who I am, you don't recognize me because I'm not up here all that often uh, for this crowd, but my name is Daryl Nelson. I'm the minister of high school students here, and as you can tell, we had a blast this past week. We had uh, our conference. Uh, is what we, we coined it, but basically it was our camp replacement. Earlier this summer, we had to cancel our student camp, which is heartbreaking because camp is a place where students make decisions for Christ and lives are changed. And, and we honestly, in the student ministry department, we mourned the loss of camp. Like we, we genuinely were heartbroken by having to cancel it. So we pivoted real fast and we threw something together uh, just three nights. And can I tell you that it was absolutely amazing. It was amazing to see God work in the lives of our students in the midst of just awkwardness. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but um, as a speaker, as someone who's in front of people often and I communicate to crowds, you read a lot from facial like responses, and even right now, like uh, you guys are all wearing masks, and, and our students were all wearing masks, and you'd like say a point, and you're like, are they scowling or are they smiling? Like, it, there's those moments where you just aren't sure, and you just have to kind of roll with it. But can I tell you that God did a work this week in our students' lives? We had an amazing time of fun, fellowship, face masks, social distancing. Jeremiah's came and blessed us with, with Italian ice and gelati. I mean, what's wrong with that, right? Uh, and then Chick-fil-A, the Lord's Chicken, came and, 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 and served our students. And it was just an amazing, amazing time of, of fellowship and fun. But most of all, the gospel changed lives. And if I, could, if I could just celebrate something, that's okay, yeah, give him a round of applause because it was amazing to be a part of. It was amazing to see God do work in the midst of the unknown. We had never done an event like this before. We had never really had a socially distanced youth event, but we pulled it off. And when I say we, I mean God completely stepped in and, and radically changed the lives of students. And we saw the gospel proclaimed multiple times throughout the night, or throughout the week, excuse me. And God continued to just work on the hearts, work on the hearts of our students. And at the end of the week, we can stand here boldly and know that three of our, of our high school and middle school students stepped from death into life this week, which is worth celebrating. Not only that, we had, we had students that on the last night decided, hey, I need to go public with my faith. And we've had three that we're aware of that have made a, a statement that they want to be baptized. They need to be baptized and go public with their faith. And we celebrate that because God is working in the lives of our students and in the midst of our church, even in the midst of uncertain times. And for that, we're so thankful. We're thankful for your prayers as we went into this event, uh, and we're thankful for all that you guys have done to help us as a student ministry in this time. Uh, this was our first time meeting in person with students in like four months, and it felt so good. Like as a student pastor, you get into to student ministry because you love Jesus, but even, even on top of that, you love students, and you love being with students, and you love being in the room with high schoolers and middle schoolers, and it has been a hard season but we were able to, to pivot and see God work. The theme for this year's conference was very simple. It was a theme that we had decided for our camp and we just kept it because we liked it that much. It was this idea of take root. Take root. 
And what we meant by that was taking root with God, like taking root in your relationship with Christ and, and trusting him, most of all, with everything that you have. And we looked at Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 17 uh, was kind of our theme verses for the week. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8 specifically, it says this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That was our challenge this whole week to our students, that they would be like that tree planted by the water, a tree that is deeply rooted in Jesus Christ. So that when the hard times come, when the storms come, they're firm. They're taken care of. They're continuing to produce fruit. And one of the nights we even did a little compare and contrast. If you, if you jump forward just two verses in verses five and six, it talks a little bit more uh, about the opposite side of that. So there's trusting God and there's trusting man. And those who trust man, it says in verse number five, cursed is the man who trusts, in, or cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and in an uninhabited salt land. What a comparison. A dried shrub versus a flourishing tree. God, man. We challenged our students to take a step and be like that tree rather than the shrub. We also, throughout the week, uh, had different speakers. Elijah Barnes, our East Campus student pastor, uh, spoke on Thursday night, and he focused in on verse number eight, where it talks about how the tree is planted by the water, it sends out its roots into the stream, and does not fear when heat comes, and the leaves remain green, and they're not anxious in the year of drought. And he talked about how in our lives as Christians, we're gonna have those difficult times come, we're gonna have those storms come, we're gonna have those, those seasons of drought. But when you're deeply rooted in the word of God and you're deeply rooted in your relationship with Christ, you'll succeed. You'll survive. Not only would you survive, but you would thrive. You'd continue to produce fruit. You'd continue to be green. You'd continue to grow. And then on the final night, Tommy Larison, our middle school minister, shared a message that, that man, hit me hard. And I know it hit our students hard is this idea of being public with your faith. Trusting God enough to go public with your belief in him. In every aspect of your life, and I think that applies not just to teenagers, but to every single person in this room as well. Do you trust God enough to look beyond the circumstances and to look beyond the consequences of whatever it is and live for him? And have that faith, have that, have that trust in him. So this morning, as pastors asked me to kind of sum up our camp and, and kind of challenge the church a little, I want to ask us all a question, and I want you to understand something, that I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you. This is one of those messages, as I've been, as I've been studying and preparing, it's convicted my heart more than I care to admit. 
But I ask this question, are we trusting God in all things? And when I say all things, I mean, are you trusting God in all of the circumstances of your life? In the good, it's easy to trust God, right? When things are going well, it's easy to trust who God is. And it's easy to know that he's there because you see him working and you, you feel his presence and, you, and you're there and you, you can just know, hey, God's right there with me. But what about in the storms? What about in the struggles of life? What about when that diagnosis comes from the doctor that you weren't expecting? What about when that loved one loses that battle? What about those moments? I woke up this week, it was actually Wednesday morning as I was preparing for conference, and I woke up and I checked my phone and my heart broke. The first thing I saw on Facebook was a former student of mine that was killed in a car accident, 17 years old, going into her senior year of high school. Family, solid, solid Christians. And every post that I, I saw about this situation was, oh, we're just so thankful that she's with Jesus, and we're so thankful. And, and I caught myself in that moment as reading through these things that going like, would I have the same response? If my son or one of my daughters were to die tragically out of the blue, would I have the same response? Would I trust God in that storm? Would I trust God in the midst of that ugliness? That's my question for us today. Do we trust God enough in the midst of everything, every possible circumstance? Do we trust them enough to follow him, to lean into him, even when we don't know where we're going? As I thought about this over the last couple of weeks, I was brought back to my old Sunday school days. I grew up in a church and we, we had Sunday school and like my family, if the doors were open, we were there, right? Like it was, it, we were there on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, if there was a prayer meeting or a, or a student event or anything like, we were there. And I remember sitting in Sunday school and when I was a kid, the Sunday school teacher would have this thing called flannel graph. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, there's a few old school Sunday school people here that know exactly what I'm talking about. The flannel graph story. I don't know if I'm just an old soul or even like at, at like five years old. I loved flannel graph. I, it, it was just one of those things that, that it helped me visualize the story. Um, like I remember the flannel graph of like David and Goliath and like David was this big and Goliath like hung off the poster like that you hung it on. Like just that visual of like the comparison of their size. But my mind was brought to a story that I remember being taught to me at a very young age through flannel graph. And if you guys have your Bibles, open up to Matthew. Matthew chapter 14, uh, get your Bible app out, whatever it is, we're gonna spend the rest of our time here in Matthew chapter 14. Looking at a story that you've probably heard before. Looking at a story that, that I hope you're familiar with if you've been in church for any amount of time. And it's the story of Peter walking on the water towards Jesus. Because in this story, uh, the more I thought about it and the more I prayed through this, this message, this story kept jumping to my mind because it's that idea of Peter trusting God enough to do the impossible. 
trusting God enough to step off the boat and do something that he really shouldn't have been able to do. But he trusted God enough and did the impossible. But also in this story, we see it doesn't stay that way. And I think that's where a lot of us live. We see God working in our lives, we're trusting him. And something happens. Something happens that, that shifts our eyes off of Jesus. Let's read this story together. Starting in verse number 22, it says this, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. You see, Jesus had just fed the 5,000 here. So you can imagine the, the, the amount of crowds that were just like in awe of what just happened, right? Uh, and, and so Jesus says, hey guys, go get in the boat. I'll push you offshore. I'll dismiss the crowds. I'll catch up with you later. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Verse 28, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took a hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I love this story. I love this story because you learn a lot about Peter in this moment. Peter sees Jesus hears Jesus' voice and responds. I love that. But the disciples in the boat, they were frightened. They're in a storm. They're adrift in the water. They saw something walking towards them, uh, which they thought was a ghost. And you could just put yourself in their shoes. Could you imagine the amount of fear and anxiety in that moment? Now, granted, they had seen Jesus do miracles. They had seen, at this point, Jesus has already started his ministry and, and the, the aspect of kind of showing himself to the world through his works and his teachings. But the disciples were scared. Jesus, in this moment, when he sees their fear, when he, when he sees them and he sees that they recognize him or they see something in the water, he says nine words. Nine words that, I'm not gonna say they're the most important words of his ministry because they're not, but man, are they telling about his ministry. They're telling about who he is. 
He says nine words and makes three statements with them. That's impressive. Talk about like oratory skills right there. Jesus and himself, like nine words, three bold statements. He says this, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. It's important that we look at these nine words. Because in these nine words, Jesus is offering uh, a lot to the disciples in this moment. And I really feel like it, it applies to us today in 2020 as well. His first statement is this, take heart. Take heart. I don't know if you guys know anybody that speaks like this, but it's not exactly a common phrase. Like, you walk into a room, you're like, take heart, I'm here. Uh, try it, see how many weird looks you get. <laughs> but if you look at other translations and, other, and like just the original text, in essence, he's saying, hey guys, cheer up. Be of good cheer. Like, Relax, take a deep breath, calm down, take heart. He sees their panic, he sees their fear, and the first thing he does is tries to calm it. Relax, take heart, take a breath, but in the same breath, Jesus makes another statement. The next couple words he says is this, it is I. Three words, five letters. <laughs> but an amazingly powerful statement that's made here. Jesus is, is identifying himself to the disciples. Notice that he says, he doesn't say, hey, guys, it's me, Jesus. He doesn't use his name. Why? The disciples knew his voice. It's like a sheep to the shepherd, right? The, the sheep respond to the shepherd's voice just in the same way. Jesus, they knew his voice. But there's another thing here that you need to understand with this statement, this statement of it is I. If you look back at the original Greek, it's extremely similar to the Old Testament statement of I am that God used to identify himself, that Yahweh. He is, he is declaring who he is. He is announcing his presence among them. That's important. He is announcing, hey guys, I'm here. Take heart, relax. It is I. Another thing I challenge you to say when you walk into a room and see how well it works. Be a little awkward. But it's important that we understand that he is declaring his presence he is announcing his presence because here's the thing. The disciples knew who Jesus was. They'd seen him work. They know his power. They, they, they've, they've watched it already this early on in his ministry. They know what he's capable of. Yet they continue to be fearful. And when Jesus says this, he's reminding them, hey guys, remember me? Miracle worker? 
Relax. Take heart. Breathe. But then he says another statement here. He says, do not be afraid. How many of you guys need to hear that every once in a while in your life? I know I do, often. This season that we've been in as a church, as a family, as individuals, as business people, wherever it is that you are in life, I've needed to hear that statement a couple times. Do not be afraid. Why? Because God is with you. God is here. Jesus is saying to the disciples here in this moment, hey guys, stop freaking out. I'm here. I'm here. I'm going to to use this situation to teach you something. I, I feel like Jesus never wastes an opportunity. He never wastes an opportunity to teach anyone anything. And, and, and I actually read a, a quote by a pastor uh, by the name of F.B. Meyer, and it says this about this scenario. He says, he uses the elements we dread as the path for his approach. The waves were endangering the boat, but Jesus walked on them. In our lives and people, excuse me, in our lives are people and circumstances we dread But it's through these that the greatest blessing of our lives will come if we look through them to Christ. God uses our situations, God uses our circumstances to draw us closer to him. God uses what we're going through, God uses the storms we're in to teach us, to guide us, to direct us. I, heard, I read a statement earlier that in, in Scripture, if you read through Scripture, there's two types of storms in life. There's storms of discipline and storms of, um, of perfection. Storms of correction and storms of perfection, right? So you've got the storms of correction would be like Jonah running from God's will. And God uses that to draw him back to himself. But here, we have a storm of perfection. I wholeheartedly believe Jesus knew this storm was there when he sent the disciples into the boat and said, watch this, guys. (laughs) I'm about to teach you something. We need to understand that God is with us. We, we, We can be fearless in knowing that God is there, that his presence is among us. It doesn't mean we're reckless, but it means we know that God is there. And and we trust him in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our storms. But the best part of the story, we haven't even gotten to yet, right? Like, you get to that part and you're just like, oh, that's really cool. Jesus is walking on water. But you expect Jesus to walk on water because if you're a Christian and you understand that, that God is Jesus and Jesus is God, like, okay, yeah, he's capable of walking on water. That's an easy pill to swallow for a lot of people. But the story continues In verse number 28, it says this, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. There's a few moments in scripture that I'm like, I wish I was that guy, 
right? They're, like you guys know what I'm talking about. As you read the Bible and, and, you, and you realize that like, wow, these are real people I'm reading about. I wish I was that guy that got to experience that aspect. Like I wish I was part of the Israelite group um, walking through the Red Sea. Like can you imagine how amazing that would be just to, like wall of water on each side? Or like to be there when the walls of Jericho just came tumbling down? Like, think about that power that you get to experience and see God work in. This is one of those moments. That moment where, where Peter is, is at the edge of the boat and he says, Lord, if that's you, call me out into the water. And Jesus very simply says, come on. Come on. Doesn't even like try to convince, just like, yeah, come on. And Peter takes that first step. That second step, before you know it, Peter's doing the impossible. As a mere human, he is doing what God was doing. He trusted Jesus enough in that moment to take that first step. He had faith in who Jesus was and who Jesus had been teaching himself about to take that step, to impulsively like, all right, God, I'm in, boom. And he's doing the impossible. He's, he, is, he is just doing any, everything that we never thought we could do. He responds in faith. But then something happens. We've read it already, but I want to remind you of what happens because I feel like this is where we live. This is an important part of the story In verse number 30, reminder, Peter is doing the impossible in this moment. He is walking on water. There's no ice, there's no stilts under the water, there's no smoke and mirrors. He is doing the impossible in this moment. And in verse 30, it says this, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He went from doing the impossible to doubting the presence of God like that. His circumstances that he was in, the storms that he was in the midst of, changed everything. And if we're being honest with ourselves, This is where a lot of us are. We're in this constant battle of seeing God work and do impossible things in your life. You're seeing lives changed. And then something happens. We lose our job. Someone gets sick. Someone dies. We lose a loved one. Your wife asks for a divorce. Your your kid rebels. And all of a sudden it's, why God? How could you let this happen? And we turn our backs on God. And all of a sudden we're back like those trees and those shrubs in Jeremiah. We go from being that tree that's firmly planted in in, in the soil by the water 
to that shrub in the desert that's dying up, that's dying because it doesn't have the nutrients, it's not deeply rooted in who Jesus is. But the greatest part of the story are these next verses. Because as Peter is sinking, it says, he cried out, Lord, save me. And in verse 31, I love this, because it says, Jesus immediately reached his hand out and pulled Peter up and got him to the boat, got him to safety. Immediately. I have that word highlighted in my Bible because I love the fact that God doesn't wait to respond. He takes care of us in that moment, in that, in that, in that chaos, in that struggle. He's there. He's always there. He's always right there waiting for us. I need you to understand that Peter's lack of faith was ultimately his downfall, his lack of trust in who Jesus is. And it happened fast. I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's the thing I love about this story is it, it displays how quickly things can change. Peter went from having enough faith and trust in Jesus to do the impossible and he's walking on water, and God is using him, and God, God is, is guiding him and directing him, and, and, and great things are happening in that moment, and then a wave hits his leg. That's how I always pictured it as a kid. Like that wave hits his leg. You ever go to the beach, and like a wave comes up behind you as you're getting out of the water, and it kind of knocks you off your feet? That's kind of how I envisioned this, right? He's walking, and all of a sudden, and he just loses it. And in that moment, he goes from trusting Jesus to do the impossible to having to swim on his own. And all, every single one of us, we're guilty of that. We're guilty of that. This story matches so many of our lives. This story matches so much of who we are. We know Jesus, we love Jesus, we follow Jesus. And we trust Jesus when things are going our way. When the good things are happening. When, when things are working in your direction, it's easy to trust Jesus, right? But when the storms come, we lose sight of him. We waver and we start to sink. So this morning, I want to challenge each and every one of us. This whole week as we've been being a part of the conference with our students, we, we've been talking about this idea of trusting God, trusting God in, in your life and being deeply rooted and taking root with him. And, and, and then we've talked about trusting him in the hard times and in those storms and going public and trusting him enough to be public with your faith. But here's the question I have for us as a church, Cross Life. Are you taking root with Jesus? Are you trusting him in all things and all situations? 
Are you trusting him with your life? Are you trusting him with, with every aspect of who you are, every element of your life, whether it be your church life, your family life, your job, whatever it is, do you trust him with it in the good and the bad? If you're taking notes, I want you to write down these three things. It's very simple. This is not an all-inclusive list in how we trust God or how we, how we trust God in all situations, how we, how we build that trust up, but it'll help you. First is this. We need to trust who he is. Just like Jesus talking in the midst of the wave, saying to his disciples, it is I, we need to understand that statement. We need to know what is being said there. Like, God is our creator. He's the savior. He's our Lord. Know this. Trust this in everything. Understand that he is God and we are not. He has a greater understanding of everything that's possibly going on in the world, more so than we could ever comprehend. Trust who he is. Second, this, trust his power, not your own. Trust his power. Be like that tree planted by the riverbanks, not like that shrub that's dying in the desert. Trust his power. Because here's the thing I've learned over the years. If I try to do something on my own power, I fail. The moments that God does the most amazing work in my life or through my ministries that I'm involved in are the moments where God shows up and does the impossible. I can't take credit for that. We trust his power. We trust what he is doing. Will you? And then finally, and this is an important one. Not only do we need to trust who he is and trust his power, but we need to trust his presence. We need to trust God's presence in our lives. We need to understand that he is omnipresent, like he's everywhere. You're never more than a hand reach away from getting pulled out of the waves. You're never, you're never too far away from God. He's always right there with us. Trust that. Trust that his presence is there in the midst of us going through our storms. He's right there. Even when you don't see it. Even when you don't feel it. He's there. Sometimes he's working behind the scenes in ways you've never understood. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that happen in my own life where I feel like I'm walking through this season of life and I'm like, God, where are you? And then I take like three more steps and all of a sudden he reveals what he's been doing behind the scenes and has done just an amazing work in someone's life through the situation that I had gone through. I'm reminded of a funeral I had to preach for a 19-year-old kid when I was in Alaska, and he had died tragically while he was out hiking, fell off of a cliff, and ended up drowning in a whirlpool of a, of a waterfall. It was a just crazy, crazy story and a crazy scenario. He was a leader among his friends, among his school. Everybody loved Keith. 
And his parents came to me the day after and said, hey, we want you to preach his funeral. And I'd never even done a funeral at that point in my life. <laughs> I was scared. I didn't know what to say. Like, how do you comfort a family in the midst of that? And I'll never forget, the auditorium at that church was packed with people from church, people from the community, people that had never darkened the door of a church before in their lives. And there's one thing that his dad asked me to do. He said, listen, Daryl, don't waste this opportunity. Share the gospel. Tell people about why we're okay with Keith being gone. And so I did. I shared the gospel as clearly as I could that day. And I don't know the exact number, but there were so many that day that walked from death into life because of that situation. We don't always know what God is up to. We don't always know what the storm is for. But we trust God in that presence. We trust him in the midst of it. And I promise you, you'll come out of the back end better of it, better because of it. So will we trust God? Will we trust him today? Will you, will you trust him in everything? Will you trust him with your life? Christian, will you continue uh, to trust him? Will you trust who he is? Will you trust his power? Will you trust his presence? Maybe you're here in this room and, or you're watching on, on TV or on, on, on the internet right now and you just need to trust Jesus for the first time. And I tell you that Jesus is the only one that can save you. Jesus is the only one that can wash your sins away. He's the only one that can forgive those sins so that you can spend an eternity in heaven rather than in hell when your time on here, uh, here on earth is done. If that's you, please, please use this time to cry out to God. Say, God, I need you. I need you to forgive me of my sins. I need you to wash me clean. And then you can trust and walk with him. Can I pray for us? Every eye closed, every head bowed, just have a time and a moment with God. Maybe you're in here and you're a Christian and you've wavered in your trust. You've wavered in your faith. This is a time to just connect and say, God, I trust you in right now. I wanna trust in who you are. I wanna trust in your power. I wanna trust in your presence. God, renew that trust in my life. Help me to take that step off the boat. Help me to do the impossible. Maybe you're in this room or you're watching online or on TV and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. You could do that right now, right in the quietness of your heart. You could say, God, I need you. Forgive me. Save me. Change me. I put my faith and trust in you. Lead me and guide me. There's no magic words. There's no magic prayer. But you can have that conversation with God right now in the quietness of your heart. God, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the fact that we get to trust you. We get to know who you are, that we get to trust in your power, and we get to trust in your presence because you're always there with us. 
God, help us to live that out in every day of our lives. God, help us to take that first step. Help us to take root with you. Help us to be that tree and not that shrub. Lord, for those that maybe just put their faith and trust in you for the first time, Lord, I pray that you'd give them boldness to tell someone so that we can walk with them in this journey and show them what it means to have life with Christ. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.